Welcome to Mandario Legends, the epic fantasy series produced like an audiobook but available as a podcast. I am your host, Michael Stone. Before we get into our normal stuff for today, I'd like to first apologize. I didn't give the details on our character suggestion during our last episode. Whoops. So, last episode's character was the Malanot named Sarak, suggested to the show by William from Green River. Thanks, and sorry, William. As a reminder, if you've been enjoying the show, there are three simple things you can do to help support it. First, you can leave a review for the show on the app or platform you're using right now. Second, you can join us on Patreon.com. And for as little as the price of a chocolate bar, you can help offset the costs of producing the show. And last but definitely not least, you can tell your friends who enjoy fantasy stories about it. Now, I won't announce today's character just quite yet. That will be at the end of the show today that I'll do that, but I won't forget this time, don't you worry. So for now, we'll begin with today's story, Episode 2, Jubilee. Loella was resting below deck on her palatine, trying to chase the horrific visions of past days out of her mind with the platter of fruit in front of her. She had been offered shrimp by the ship's chef, but she was not in the mood for anything that even remotely looked like a bug. A bell rang above deck suddenly, and she heard a crewman's voice cry out, "'Ship to starboard! Ship ho!' The senator nearly lost what little food she had eaten. The Molinot. Had it freed itself?' Was it pursuing them on a craft of some sort? Or was it someone else? The Evians, perhaps? She had sent out notices to King Ale of Artholo of the loss of the blade hand and the blade. She had hoped that by getting in front of the problem that she could appease what likely was going to be a temper that would rival anything King Aglam had ever summoned. Had the Evians come to demand penance from her for bringing them what was likely the most devastating news their theocracy had ever heard? But... As she turned right to face the window, she saw something else on the horizon. It was no raft bearing the Malinat abomination. Its sails didn't sport the white and light blue colors of the avian nation either. In fact, the sails were a deeper blue. A navy blue. Anton, Loella's murkrab assistant, obviously saw the color drain from Loella's face as he let out a worried gasp. As he looked out the glass window as well, he asked the senator, "'Do they know who we are?' Loella knew what he really meant. The ship they were on was Maeli as well, and the other ship could easily see their navy blue by now, too. But seeing as most Maeli ships that had left Cruz had belonged to the generals and nobles that had been loyal to Aglam, the odds certainly were not in favor of this particular ship bearing any good news for Loella or anyone else aboard the Penelopus today. "'Get us above deck,' Loella told Anton. He whimpered. But, but, Senator, they would know for certain that you are here, and they might attack. They might kill me. I mean us. Loella shook her head. If that ship has found us, they know exactly who is on board. And if they are going to attack us, I need to be where I can help defend this ship. Anton and the other murkrabs still twitched their eye stalks in nervous anticipation, hesitant to move at all. Loella let out an annoyed sigh. I promise you can come back under here and hide right afterwards, but I need you to bring me above deck now. Relieved at Loella's offer, the murkrabs quickly grabbed the sides of her palatine and rushed her above deck. 
She had remembered plenty of palatine rides that had been smoother, however. When they dropped the palatine to the side of the ship's helm, they did so as if they had been tasked with leaving carrion for a caged lion to feast on, dashing back below deck without a second word to Loella and whimpering all the while. Loella tried to remind herself that these murkrabs had never been hired for their utility in combat, and that they had already been exposed to more danger than most senatorial aides experienced in their whole careers, but that didn't help ease the jolt with which her palatine hit the deck and nearly broke as her arthropod associates fled. Having been so unceremoniously deposited by Captain Reichlow's side, who at least had the professionalism to ignore the murkrab's lack thereof, Loella turned to him and asked, "'Do we know who it is out there? Is it General Pelisle? Julie? The Praetor?' Reichlow, who was looking through his spyglass, shook his head in awe. "'No, I don't believe it. Senator, see for yourself.' Loella took the captain's spyglass and, after finally figuring out how to focus it onto the ship beside them, dropped her mouth open in such a way that her mother never would have thought appropriate for her stately daughter. The palatine on the other ship bore a red and blue finned merfolk, one whom Loella couldn't mistake, even though the other boat was still a good distance away. It wasn't the enemy. It was Chiral. Moments later, the ships had drawn planks across, and the soldiers who had fought alongside each other at Cruz in defense of their rightful king were slapping each other's backs and filling mugs with wine as they embraced their brothers. Chiral's palatine had been brought over as well, across one of the wider planks, and Luella marveled as she saw what rested on her former husband's head. The crown of the unbroken sea? What? How? She began to stammer. Chiral smiled. I know, it, it's wonderful, isn't it? We were wrong, Loella. It turns out that the Senate at home had been itching for a reason to end the war. They had been so enraged by the ongoing expenses Aglam was incurring that, apparently, the generals had lost any support they had at home. I was welcomed with open arms, Loella. Chiral's voice was brimming with a confidence and relief that she had not seen there for a very long time. There is no civil war. Loella, our people are safe. Loella was dumbfounded in every sense of the word, utterly at a loss for speech. I, well, th th this is, this is outstanding, she exclaimed. A million questions began to rise like a tidal wave in her. But I I would have thought for sure that Senator Antolius would have offered some greater resistance. He had been positively screaming for me to be put in jail for suggesting we make peace with the Draconids, and he was one of Aglam's greatest supporters. Didn't he? Chiral waved his hand as if to dismiss her question. It, it's a long story. I can explain all of it to you tonight. As we celebrate uh, together. Expectation and hope danced behind the king's eyes as he again glanced at Loella. And as the senator saw it, she felt an unease, a disquiet. I. Are you sure, though, King Chiral? Zeru is still out there, after all. I would love to hear everything that has happened, but we really must be on our way. Roe is very close, and we were hoping to. Chiral again waved his hand in dismissal. 
We have some rather good news on that front too, Luella. Uh, perhaps I can explain it to you over uh, dinner tonight. Luella's interest was certainly piqued. Good news? You haven't located him, have you? Do you know what he is intending to do with the banishing blade? Chiral nodded his head. Yes, uh, though, he mentioned, looking around at the gathered sailors, already beginning to set out a massively sumptuous feast. Perhaps this isn't the best place. Perhaps in your cabin below deck? Loella quickly nodded. Certainly. Her murkrab assistants, having obviously seen that there was a distinct lack of screaming and sword clashing coming from above the deck, had cautiously returned, happy to see that they were not under attack. Catching sight of them again, Loella called out to Anton and ordered him to bring her palatine down below deck. As she proceeded there, the king's palatine quickly followed. Moments later, Loella and Chiral's palatines had been set facing each other, their assistants bringing them a wide array of delicious items that the king had brought over from his ship. Once the murkrabs had been told three times over that Loella had all the food she needed and more, they finally left the king and Loella alone. Loella began bombarding Chiral with questions at almost the same instant as the doors to the deck closed behind Anton and his companions. Now, please tell me, what is this news that you have brought regarding Zeru? Do you know his plans or how we can stop him? And really, what happened back at home? How is it that you are able to unite everyone so quickly? I would have thought for sure that the Senate would have at least insisted on a trial to challenge your claim to the throne. But you're telling me they welcomed you home? After all that talk about you being a traitor? How is that possible? The senator was almost out of breath as she finished, and even then she wasn't sure that she was. King Chiral's appearance, while most welcome, had seemed miraculous beyond what she could have hoped, especially after the long weeks of war she experienced on Cruce. In addition to the harrowing encounter with the Malinat at Regnath, not but days ago. Chiral nodded his head as he sipped uh, some wine. That's all you want answers to, is it? He laughed quietly. I, I understand it's a lot more than I could have expected as well, and it's happened all so fast. I suppose you'd like me to begin with explaining what's been going on at home? Loella nodded eagerly. That would be a good starting point, yes. Chiral swallowed one more sip of his drink. Well, as I stated before, the Senate had obviously been at odds with many of the same generals who supported Agla Macruz. You know how they get. The Senate is generally displeased with any sort of government expenditure that isn't spent on them, or their cronies specifically. Apparently, when the other generals who had been supporting Chiral returned before us, they were held for questioning by the Senate, pending a full investigation into the exact nature of the war on Cruce. Loella almost laughed. There were times in the past, before the devastating attack on the Rotunda and Chiral's disappearance, when she had been very much that way herself. Something about having narrowly escaped death in the Draconid attack on the Rotunda had changed her, though. Where once she too had enjoyed many of the luxuries of noble life, the parties, the food, the prestige, all of that seemed to matter much less to her after her scrape with death itself.
These new senators who had taken the place of Loella's fallen comrades, while certainly paranoid that another similar attack might claim their own lives, hadn't had reason yet to change that avaricious perspective on their offices. And while that avarice had been a cause of frustration for Loella when she had lobbied to end the war to stop all the death, it seemed like that same avarice had finally led to some common sense on the part of those new senators, even if by accident. To be honest, there were some senators who were skeptical when I returned, Chiral continued. But when I explained everything that had happened, my father's conspiracy with Dreor's Isle, uh, especially, it was like they had found the narrative they had been searching for. You know as well as I that the Senate has often been at odds with sharing its power with the throne, and with what both Aglam and Orlam had done, they now had the goods to show the people a cause for finally diminishing the power of the king. Loella nodded. That, that makes sense. I had been even making many of those same arguments myself before I had left for Cruz, but you mean to tell me that even Antiolus and the other supporters of Aglam bought your story? Not exactly, but they've had to be pretty quiet about their misgivings, Chiral explained cheerily. The rest of the Senate is drafting what they call the Limitations Act. If it passes, the Senate will adopt full legislative power, removing any direct influence the throne, which I guess is me now, Chiral grinned, would have over drafting new legislation. They're also talking about appointing citizen leadership over the military to take on that responsibility. The neat thing, I suppose, is that I'd still get to keep the crown and would adopt a, a more ceremonial role in the government. And you're fine with that? Loella wondered. I was the one who suggested it, so I suppose, yes, I am. Chiral smiled again, nearly laughing. Loella's head was spinning. Chiral's smile dimmed somewhat as he studied the shock on her face. Is... is there something wrong with that, Luella? No, uh, no, not at all, Luella quickly clarified. I just... I'd been trying to write up a very similar kind of legislation myself, but only in my journal. To hear that the rest of the Senate is so serious about this... Luella shook her head. It's, it's just so much. I'd never imagined that anyone else would have agreed with such radical ideas. Well, all this business with Cruz has really opened people's eyes to the truth, Loella, Chiral warmly reassured her. All that corruption, that greed, it's, it's not all gone, of course, but I really think they are starting to see sense. It will take time, but... I really think this is going to work. We could have a real democracy, Loella. Uh, you and I, uh, we could... But then he stopped short, looking downwards, pondering how to best phrase his next request. Again, an unspoken hope flashed in Chiral's face as he met Loella's gaze again. He wants me back now, Loella suddenly realized. That's what he's really after. He thinks everything is better now. And the first thing he wants to do is have me back?
Again, feeling that inexplicable unease, Loella pressed forward. You... you said you had word of Zeru? Kairal's eyes widened as he remembered. Oh, ah, yes, I had almost forgotten. He looked around, ensuring again that he and Loella were completely alone. Soon after, I had arrived back home, we received a package from Cruz. Zico, their new archchief, Loella's eyes widened in shock yet again. Zico? That red-headed boy? He's the new archchief of Cruz? How is that possible? Kairal threw his hands into the air. The Draconids are a little more open-minded than our people, I suppose, about whom they entrust with positions of power. In this case, his role in helping stop the eruption of Mount Rurin seemed to easily qualify him in the eyes of his people to help rebuild. But uh, that's besides the point. The real point is, Zico had sent a few Draconids out to begin hunting for Zeru. And they were successful. Loella, if any part of her had been at all distracted by any other thought before, all of Loella's focus now centered on Kyral. Successful? What do you mean? I mean, Loella. Kyral reached behind him and pulled a long, thin, leather-bound object out to her. They found him. Apparently... He had put up quite the fight. The old man had a slew of those corpses fighting at them, but they were able to burn them down and arrest him. And more importantly, they were able to recover this. And as Kyrol spoke, he finished unwrapping the package he now laid before Loella. The curved hilt, the runes on the edge. It was exactly as she had remembered it. When she saw it last. The Panishing Blade? Loella uttered breathlessly. Now you see why I wanted to meet with you in secret, King Kyral explained. Though the Senate has been surprisingly cooperative so far, I am still aware of having something this powerful anywhere near my early hands. That's partly why I'm out here, Loella. You are only a short distance away now from the capital of Arthelo, and, and I want you to be the one to formally present and return this blade to King Aeol. Loella again was petrified with utter shock. Wait, it, just, just like that? Are you telling me it's over? But how... The senator's mind was racing. How could this possibly be so? What invisible force had shifted the luck of the universe so that everything was getting wrapped up so perfectly? Well, almost perfectly, Loella thought, as another question came to mind. She asked, And, and, and Zeru? He's, he's still alive then? Has he explained anything about why he did what he did? Anything at all about what this was all about? Kyral shook his head. Zico said his scouts were forced to kill him before they could get much of an explanation from him. He kept on trying uh, to injure them with more undead. But I am sure that Zeru's home nation, Lothai, will be very interested in assisting our investigation with that. But that can wait, Loella, Kyral said. 
as he began to shift from his seat in his palatine, using his tail to slip his way over onto Loella's. The senator again felt that same unease. Wait, he... he is... He was the greatest war criminal either of us have ever heard of, excepting the dread king. We... we have to go to Lothai. We need to assist the healers there in, in getting answers by the day and I, I need answers, Kyral, she insisted. Loella looked right at Kyral's eyes, desperate to make her case, but also to fight back another feeling, the source of her unease she had been sensing this whole time. It was the very feeling she saw in his eyes as he looked into hers, something that made her breathless, yet filled her with what was most likely longing. She was nearly lost in her ex-husband's eyes for a moment. He looked for that moment exactly as he did in the painting that had been presented before the Senate when his disappearance had been announced. Stunningly handsome, confident, and kind, the color had been fully returned to his face, as if he hadn't ever been locked away in that pool in Stradbrux in the first place. At noticing that, a horrible suspicion dawned on Loella. Kyral, at that very moment, had been leaning towards her, beginning to wrap her in his embrace. She gently pushed him back, scrutinizing him. Kyral smiled, shaking his head. What is it, Loella? Aren't we allowed to win just this once? The earnestness in his voice and his eyes was sincere. Stop worrying, Loella. We'll get those answers. But for now, can't we go back to where we left off? Kyral looked into Loella's eyes deeply, his simple, genuine keenness to her glowing. Can, can I be good enough for you now? For several seconds, Loella wanted nothing more than to surrender herself to the moment but a previous feeling of unease, of hesitation of allowing herself to accept all the good news, was now replaced by another discomfort entirely. This, this is wrong, Loella said, shaking her head. There's, there's no way you could have recovered this quickly. Kyra paused, raising an eyebrow. Well, I have been eating pretty well since I left Stradrix, Loella, Kyra whispered. But I promised to keep my figure, he coyly laughed. No, that's not it, and you know it, Loella admitted. Kyra began to frown, obviously hurt. Loella, what is wrong? What has gotten into you? It's me. I'm here. Everything... Is all right, the king said, massaging her shoulders as he looked her in the eyes. No, Loella refused, pained as she began to realize what had been happening. You, you aren't Kyral. Kyral frowned, though not with the same sadness as before. He remained silent, watching Loella as she continued. Kyral was days from Mayali when we both left Cruz, Loella reasoned, and the Senate could not have possibly convened all its members across the kingdom in time 
to consider the kind of legislation that you were talking about just now. And for that same reason, there is no way that Zeru could have been tracked down like you claim he could, just because I got word not a day ago that he had been spotted, alive, retreating from Regnath. Kairal frowned, and anger beginning to cloud his face. Loella returned his gaze with a deeply felt, wounded anger of her own. So, tell me, what is your real name, Shadowmancer? Loella spat out. The edges of the senator's vision began to distort and twist. The image of Kyral before her morphed into the shape of the ruined Malinat from Ragnath. You'll never escape, fish! It clacked. And then, Loella woke up. She was still below deck on her ship. A heavy grogginess hung over her head, as if she had been caught in a heavy mass of tangleweed. She blinked several times, before discovering Anton and the other murkrabs lying unconscious on the floor of the vessel. Very good, Senator Loella of Miley, a slow, steady voice said from behind her. And as she turned, she saw it. A Cthu was standing there, robed in black. His tentacles swarmed from underneath his robe, his octopus-like face similarly writhing with its own mess of boneless limbs where most other people's mouths would have been. Not much else about his appearance could be seen in the darkness except the pale illumination of his small, orange eyes. Loella was still fighting off the grogginess, but stretched out her hand, willing a keg of fresh water to burst and strike at the Cthulhu Shadowmancer. However, the surge of water had no effect on the Cthulhu. It went straight through him. Another, another illusion. What's the matter? Uh, afraid to, afraid to face me yourself? Loella slowly challenged. Come now, come now, Senator, the Cthulhu chided. While I am unaware of the specifics of your dreaming illusion, I was doing my job in ensuring that you should have been feeling nothing but contentment and peace. The illusion you had couldn't have been that offensive. Offensive? she began. Offensive doesn't even begin to describe what that was. Who are you? How do you know so much about us? How do you know so much about... Again, if you had been paying attention, you would have heard me say, I didn't know the specifics of your dreaming illusion. The only help I provided was ensuring you had the illusion of contentment. But apparently, whatever dream your mind generated as you slept to try to explain the source of your peace and contentment was too stimulating to keep you under. I suppose you found some kind of logical inconsistency, yes? What? What does it matter to you? And, and why did you do this? Loella demanded. As for your first question, I do try to be a professional. 
it is always good to get feedback on my work. As for your second question, there are two ways I could take your meaning, but I will answer it both ways with the same answer. The reason why I gave you that happy dream is the same reason I am stalling you right now. The Cthulhu's eyes squinted with a smile as he summoned an image of a boat. And not just any craft, Loella realized, but the Penelopus, the ship she was on, complete with every member of the crew in the miniature image, all apparently asleep as Loella had been. And they were sailing straight towards a sheer rock face. Loella only had the time to gasp, before the Cthulhu's image vanished like smoke in a breeze, and she felt the ship slam into unforgiving rock, wood snapping and breaking, as she fell to the floor, unconscious again. And that's the end of today's episode. As you may now guess, our new character was that Cthulhu mentioned in the story. His name is Circlipsos, and was suggested to us by David Westwood from Utah. And if you liked today's episode, do remember to leave a rating. You can also join us on Patreon.com, or perhaps most significantly, you can simply share this show with friends you know will enjoy it. Be sure to tune in next week, same time and same place, Thursday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time as we continue our story. And remember, you cannot see the hero unless you know the monster.